of Rust Belt Baggage, a podcast about true crime and paranormal activity in the Rust Belt of America. I'm your host, Ariel. And I'm Andrea. Two peeps from Buffalo, New York. Come unpack with us. Today, Ariel is going to talk about a case that's ruling over this whole world. I'm on, I'm on TikTok, as many people are. I'm a little obsessed with it. And mm-hmm. half the country has been on berries and cream TikTok. And if you don't know what that is, you're welcome. I don't even know what that is yet. <laughs> so that's my homework tonight is to figure out what the, what the hell that is. You're welcome. Uh, and the other half has been seeing this case and obsessing over this case and putting out some false information as well. A lot out there, yeah. We also want to let you guys know that this is an open case. We're not going to put any theories of what we think is happening. We're just going to say the facts. Straight facts. Straight facts. Straight shooter. <laughs> Disclaimer, we are not seasoned detectives. We're armchair detectives, that's for sure. You know, we're not um, experts with this case and with most of our cases. We're going to talk about uh, what we know and what we can find out from the most reputable sources. We'll throw around the term allegedly a lot. So nobody Please don't comes after us. us. So as you probably figured out, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Gabby Petito case. I think there's people out there that are like tired of this already. But for our first episode, we were trying to figure out, okay, what should we do for the first one to kick it off? And it just felt wrong to just skip over this. It's just brought up so many conversations into public agenda, um, which I'm sure that people have seen too on like Twitter and Facebook and and TikTok. And, And the mainstream news now is, you know, talking about missing white girls syndrome right major reason why this is getting so much attention is because that this is a white family you know and a white girl doesn't mean they have that the resources to, to reach out to people the resources you know as we're well aware of like the fbi local police departments like they do take cases that involve white people more seriously you know, we're going to talk about in this show too a lot of missing and unidentified uh, people in this area. I just looked and found that there are about 60, you know, missing Black, Indigenous, and people of color in just the city of Buffalo alone right now. And we want to take a look into those cases because those cases absolutely should be getting that attention that we see, like with this case. Um, That was a cat, and you might hear some cats. Uh, There's, we've got two of them here right now, Doug and Porkchop. They're very into being next to us. Right now. <laughs> like I said, there's about 60, you know, black indigenous people of color missing right now in Buffalo, um, just in the city. We want uh, more attention paid to those cases, obviously. I do want to give props to a lot of the true crime podcasts. Whoop. Well, Porkchop just slammed into the mic, so that's what that noise was. A lot of podcasts out there, ones that I really respect, have been covering cases of BIPOC individuals that are missing or murdered or unidentified. I mean, they've been covering those for a long time. So I don't want to say that nobody is covering these cases because they are. But unless you're in the podcasting world, really deep into true crime like I am, yeah. <laughs> like we are. It's not often that you really see it. Yeah, and like part of that too is if you see a post on Twitter, retweet it. It's not going to ruin your feed, I promise. TikTok really brought this forward. And the fact that 
got so quickly well known means that all of these cases could be well known if we just very quickly share things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously check the seed from a reputable source, but now we have this technology. And to be honest, the Gabby Petito case is the first case that I've seen unfold in front of my eyes as an adult, right? Yeah. You know, when we were younger, millennials, hey, there was like OJ, you know, Casey Anthony and like Princess Diana and all these. One that I'll end up covering sometime that part of my growing up was uh, Buffy Phillips. I was just, yeah, I was like, I gotta mention that. I remember my grandma was like, can you close the blinds in case that guy is out there? We'll, we'll talk about him like, once we uh, know how to podcast. <laughs> yeah, once we figure this thing out, it's our first time, okay? But yes, this is really the first time I'm seeing or experiencing as an adult something yeah. like this unfold. And just, it's amazing and incredible in a lot of ways seeing, you know, seeing the amount of people that really care about this, but also terrifying seeing the amount of people that are just spreading weird stuff. And also something that I think it would have been really interesting too, and given me a little bit cognitive dissonance is all the uh, vitriol going on online towards uh, Brian Laundrie and his parents. Now I have my personal thoughts, right? Like I am not happy with these people. You know, I think that horrible crime was committed here, allegedly, my personal opinion. But it's also interesting, like, have you seen online, I've seen some wild, nasty stuff that if, if I was the, the laundry family, like, I don't know, I, I might be hiding out to leave in my house, not yeah. do, because at this point, people are making it seem like at any moment, a vigilante is going to take this into their own, like, that's the internet looks like right now. There's a lot that is, wow, people have a lot lot of interesting ways of expressing their hate or their anger. I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but when you said vigilante, all I could think of was the recent headlines today of Dog the Bounty Hunter showing up at his house. Podcast inspirations. The first uh, one I did listen to was Crime Junkie did an episode recently where they went into police body cam video and really had some interesting points that kind of really piqued my interest about this. It made me just now be kind of obsessed, but people aren't familiar. Gabby Petito a 22-year-old woman, and she was going on a, a kind of, not quite cross-country, but like a little adventure with her fiancé, Brian Laundry. Um, and fiancé, that's what people are reporting, and that's what Gabby had been saying. Um, I know some people had said maybe they weren't engaged anymore, something, something, but uh, her partner. So her and her partner, now they lived in Florida with Brian Laundrie's parents, and that's the house is kind of at like the center of this controversy right now. So they left July 2nd this summer. They were in New York with Gabby's family from Long Island, New York, and they were going through Kansas, Colorado, Utah. Gabby had a travel blog, so they would post on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all this stuff, um, and they would use like hashtag van life, um, which I guess uh, was not something I had paid attention to before, but it is a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I've seen a couple articles out on it now. Uh, where people get in their van and they do the damn thing. I don't know. Yeah, they're fucking the Jack Carrowing it, Jack Carrowacking it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Van life is real big on like the West Coast, Seattle area, California. You know, when it's really sunny and you don't have to worry about freezing in your car. But it's also really big with rock climbers and adventure, tourism, and things like that. So it's like a huge industry. And the only thing I ever really got into is that I myself really want a van so that I can take my dog and two cats with me everywhere. <laughs> you know, I was just going to say, when I was younger, I kind of wanted to do that. But I've got three cats right now. One of them is elderly um, and requires a lot of care on uh, medication. So I don't think that's going to be happening uh, anytime recently. I love traveling, but I also love being home. And I love Buffalo. If I'm traveling and I'm away for like four or five days, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Buffalo is great, guys, but I'm very particular with my food and my coffee. And here in Buffalo, we have some of the best food that I've ever had anywhere yeah, in the country. Anyway, thanks for going on this ride with us, guys. So Gabby and her partner, they're chilling, they're doing their van life, and there is a video, it's on uh, YouTube, and you can find it, like, just if you search, like, the body cam footage of police pulling their van over. Uh, so it was August 12th in Utah, uh, Moab, Utah, specifically, and someone had called because they saw a domestic violence thing that is going on I'm pretty sure can you just check it out so the police are like okay and they went out looking and they found the van where this witness saw them arguing you know there's different accounts if you know she hit him or he hit her and there's a I believe actually were two witnesses the first one was like I saw her hit him and the second one was like saw him hit her yeah either way wasn't looking, looking good. good something not good, happened, not good. <laughs> like they're not looking too happy already um, getting suspicious yeah and so listen a lot of us have been in some pretty epic fights with your significant other right relationships <laughs> aren't easy they're not easy they're even if you they're love dumb. them <laughs> um, and you know, sometimes too, like, you know, myself being like a survivor of domestic violence, like you can kind of be looking great on the surface or think someone is, is really great, but then the rubber hits the road, right? When times get tough, you see people's true colors. And Gabby had expressed this to her parents um, while they've been on this trip that being together in a van 24-7 was causing a lot of strain and it was really looking like their relationship wasn't maybe as strong as they thought it was. But also, I don't think anyone can be in a van with their significant other for 24-7 without it being tested, right? That's a small space. And social media in general, you only put the good things anyways. Nobody's life is perfect. Right. Yeah, so this altercation, people have a lot of opinions on it. They pulled him over. Gabby was crying and stuff. Brian was shaken up. They had like hit a curb and they were saying they were arguing in the car and Brian said that's why he hit the curb, that's why he's uh, driving like, I don't know the exact number, but he was speeding. Um, one good. So the cops separate them, right, to talk to them. And this is kind of where the public is questioning, like, did the police do the right thing? The police ended up talking to both of them. Uh, when I watched the dash cam video, it seemed uh, Gabby had told them that she may have been the aggressor or the one to get physical in the situation and to me this is just my you know I'm a social worker but I'm not a clinical psychologist so this is my kind of uh, opinion on this matter 
is that she looked like she was having a very significant mental health break or she was really struggling with her mental health. I cannot say because I don't know this was from being in an abusive relationship or if this was something she was struggling with. Just subjectively, that's what it looked like to me. And that's what the police ended up marking it down as. Yeah. And the reason for this, uh, which was interesting, I learned this, that in uh, Utah, I'm not sure if this is like all across the U.S., but police um, in a domestic dispute, if they did not witness this domestic, um, you know, the hitting or physical violence happening, they can't just choose who to take to jail, right? So people say, really? right, <laughs> which, which I also understand, right? Like, I, I do understand that police... Mm, there's a lot of times where they're not allowed to encourage to use their clinical judgment, right? They're supposed to be objective. Now, are they all the time? No, of course not. But this is what it seemed to be kind of going through their minds, right? Is that, you know, we didn't see this. Either we take in both of them, let them go, but they aren't able to just do like a slap on the wrist, right? So it was basically either since Gabby had expressed that she was the aggressor, they had had two choices so let them go or give Gabby a citation for court so it would end up being a citation they'd have to go to court and talk interesting right so this is what I learned by doing some digging and listening to um, some other like podcasts on this which I was you know that does make sense um, because I really do believe if the police felt like Brian was a significant danger to her at that moment, then they would have, you know, arrested him, but they didn't really have that flexibility. Um, and I think they felt bad for her. I don't think they wanted to give her a citation. Would that citation have helped in this matter? Probably not. Personal opinion, I don't think it would have changed the outcome of this. Yeah. I don't know if um, it would. So there is an investigation open um, because of kind of the public backlash. Um, the Moab Police Department was getting, you know, they, they looked into, like, did they follow proper protocol for this? You know, should they have done more? The initial finding was that they did follow protocol, um, but they are continuing to look into it, they say, right? <laughs> Either way, I like to look at the police with a very critical lens because I think that's important. However, I don't really think that there's anything the police could have done in their power at that point um, to stop this from happening. They did separate them for the night, so they put Brian in a hotel through a domestic violence program, I understand it, Safe Haven. They put him up in a hotel and they let her go take the van. So, I didn't know that happened. Yeah, I think that was kind of their way of, you know, maybe if you guys cool off. And then, you know, I, I think that police too sometimes are softer on women. Yeah. And I think they kind of felt bad for her. And they were like, well, this is the best we can do right now. Um, unless like we are giving you a citation for court to yeah. Gabby. Um, and they didn't want to do that. So that happened. August 19th, uh, it seemed like they had kind of patched things up a bit. They posted a YouTube video. Um, they were in uh, Utah, and they were uh, living living the life, the uh, hashtag van life. They're doing their damn thing. Van life, bro. <laughs> van life. Just think of, like, surfers. <laughs> Cowabunga, dude. Yo, van life. 
No, really. Um, they look like they were having fun, though, you know. Yeah, and, and this was something that Gabby really loved. She was really passionate about it. I mean, she really was working hard on this travel blog because she loved it. Um, it looked like they both did. August 22nd, she had did a FaceTime call with her dad from Salt Lake City. Her and her uh, parents were very close. Um, it seems like the ones that are kind of talking publicly are her mom, her dad, and then her stepdad. So they talked. August 25th was Gabby's last post on social media, on Instagram. It didn't have a tagged, like, uh, check-in location, but they think it was in Utah, maybe. Gabby talked to her parents uh, in Teton, the Teton uh, Reserve in uh, Wyoming, where they were going to be camping for a little bit. That was the 25th of August, the last time her parents heard from her, right, or, like, spoke to her, heard her voice. August 27th and 30th, her parents got some weird text messages that, like, now they're saying they don't feel like it came, they came from her. They were very short. One was, you know, there's no service in Yo's Might. And the other was uh, something referencing possibly her grandfather. And can you help him out with whatever? I keep getting texts and voicemails from him or from the stand person. Is it Yo's Might or is it Yosemite? Wow. (laughs) You know, yes, leave it in because this is me. This is me. Okay. We will now be referring to somebody as Yosemite. It sounds like some sort of some sort of bug that you find probably in your van. Uh Yosemite. Uh so yeah, so Got some weird texts, and her parents were like, okay, I guess they're just doing their damn thing. You know, they're in their 20s. What those texts say yet? So the first text says, no surface in Yosemite. Oh, yeah. The second one one says, can you help Stan? I keep getting texts and voicemails. And so the mother thinks that that is in reference to her grandfather, Stan. However, the mom thought it was kind of weird. Looking back on it after she was missing, the mom thought it was weird because she never calls her grandfather Stan. Okay. Um, I, I assume, like... Weird. Yeah. She'd call him grandpa if it's her grandfather. Right. I assume, like, that... Um, what are all the other terms? I only know the yeah. grandma terms. Mona. Yeah, I always called that. my grandparents, like, grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Well, actually, when I was a kid, um, I called my grandfather Pappy. Aww. I honestly don't know what that even means or why. I don't know either, but that just is, like, to imagine a little Ariel saying, Pappy, come here, Pappy, I need some, I need some water, Pappy. It's just, oh my gosh, my heart. So that was that. But yeah, so that's why she thinks that it was weird looking back on it, you know, in hindsight, like maybe my gut was right in that. Yeah. You know, but again, like they are like in their 20s, like they're adults. And, you know, I think the parents as close as they were, were still like, you know, they're doing their thing. Right. Um, And they didn't feel like they had any concerns that Brian Laundrie was violent or that um, they knew that the relationship was tense. But at that time, they've said that they didn't and it wasn't anything that would make them feel like unsafe like that her daughter their daughter shouldn't be there with him then september rolls around uh 
So um, allegedly, according to his parents, Brian returned on September 1st with the van that they'd been sharing without Gabby, um, just him. Which is the first weird thing. Why? Yeah. It's her van. Very, very weird. I think that they were sharing the van. I'm not sure. I actually didn't see if it was like in her name or her parents' names. I'm, But I'm assuming not because the van is still, I believe it's still with the laundries. Yeah. Allegedly. So, you know, we came back and the parents, we don't know what what happened there, why they didn't think it was necessary to communicate with Gabby's parents, the Petitos. The Petitos reached out. Oh wait, they reached out. The Petitos were texting, calling, trying to get a hold of, like of Brian did. and Brian's parents and family because they hadn't heard from Gabby. And they were like, we haven't heard from her. They, Brian wasn't answering. The parents weren't answering. They were just ignoring the Petitos, uh, Gabby's parents. September 11th, the parents found out that Brian returned without Gabby, and they reported her missing on September 11th. Then the van was um, towed to the police station so they could look for like like look for something in there because the parents were like, Brian's been back this whole time and without her, and nobody told us like that's fucked up. And the parents basically just responded to comment, you know, when they reported her missing, and the police, you know, wanted to speak with Brian's parents they just were like here's the number for our lawyer yeah so strange and I know everyone deals with things differently but what yeah so that was weird um the parents just were they were really upset because they were like we've been they'd been trying to reach out you know none of us really know what Brian told them or didn't tell them or what the hell was going on there September 17th, the parents reported Brian missing. They called the police over to their house. This is wild. I like, can't I help swear. but laugh at this one. It's <laughs> absurd. It's absurd. And I feel so, I feel bad for ever, all the family members. Like, I don't know. The parents really need to come out and to talk. Um, you know, if only to bring some kind of comfort to Gabby's family, right? Sad. It's so absurd. Parents are like, yeah, so Brian? like left three days ago this was the 17th that they reported this i know that at that point when he left he wasn't like there was not really a suspicion or he wasn't right a suspect but mm-hmm. why would why would he why would someone even let him leave why was right. he even allowed to leave that just makes no sense I agree. He was a person of interest, you know, still is a person of interest, not, um, he's indicted on the unauthorized device usage, um, but... Even if he wasn't, wouldn't it just be smart of him to at least, like, stick around in case someone needs to ask him questions? And it's just, yep. it's just so weird. It appears like the police were kind of keeping tabs, but they weren't, like, stalking Brian. They were keeping tabs on him, and I think that they thought, like, he wasn't a flight risk they must have somehow evaluated that and so maybe they eased up a bit and then you know it turns out he's been missing for three days is it still Florida police that's dealing with it well it's been a mix of the police and the FBI so this was the police the I believe the North Florida's police in Florida yeah so they're like yeah so like he went like camping three days ago and um, uh, he didn't take his cell phone or his wallet um and yeah we haven't seen him which why would you even take your wallet that's like the one thing that you actually need right and i found like 
I don't want to get too into um, he drove his car to the Carl this Carlton Reserve that they've been mm-hmm. searching and the parents went there and they found the car and they drove the car back without there's like a lot of conflicting stuff on that so I don't really yeah. want to talk about it too much just because I don't feel confident that I that's all verified quite yet maybe but they did end up like searching his Mustang then they brought it the police did brought it back to the parents house and that was supposedly the Mustang that the parents Parents went to pick up at the Carlton Reserve on probably was the 17th then when they reported it missing. But people were like, you know, why did you wait three days? Like in my mind, like the first thing I thought was like, oh no, like he is going to hurt himself or like he's like this is not good yeah and the parents had said that to the police like well we were also you know concerned that he might hurt himself but it's like okay well then like would people are saying do you think they would really let him go or let him leave if they thought that but we but again like we don't know every family is different and there are some families too like don't talk about mental health stuff so yeah maybe they could be just speculating maybe it's the type of family that maybe they had a little bit of concern but they don't talk about those things and they just kind of were like he's an adult like you know he can do what what he wants to do my initial thought was going back for evidence and hiding something like if they were paying attention to him they would have found gabby sooner like that was that was my thought yeah there's a lot of like speculation on that of did he uh, go back or did he take a flight from uh, Wyoming to Florida first and then go back and then get the van and then drive the van back did we know if he was on a flight yeah I I would think so um (laughs) just saying there is like a lot there's a lot of speculation around that and a couple people coming out talking to the FBI before they posted on TikTok that they gave him ride he was hitchhiking oh yeah those two girls i remember yeah Yeah. um i believe it was 27 um someone spotted their van with their dash cam near the area where her body was found that was Mm -hmm. the 27th someone had uh, allegedly given him a ride to a dam that was near the campsite and then he hitchhiked short time later hitchhiked back to the campsite so like what was going on there uh the fbi said that they've gotten that information but they haven't like like come out and said like oh yeah this is definitely what happened that's just kind of you know what is is going on um I think it's definitely possible um you know I have a lot of theories around that part so of course on September 19th Sunday September 19th they did locate the body in this Red Creek campsite um you know it was very rural it wasn't like a designated Native campsite it was just like in the woods um so they did find uh the body the initial um they searched brian's house after that happened um his parents house so where him and gabby were living Mm -hmm. the fbi was there they took like tons and tons of boxes i'm assuming boxes that could be potentially used for evidence um they took that all from the home still didn't you know put out a um, warrant started searching i should say um after the 17th they had started searching for him after her body was found they like turned it up a notch and were really searching and continue to search the carlton reserve so on the 23rd that was when they started kind of referring to it as a manhunt uh they put out an indictment that he's wanted for unauthorized use of a bank card and 
PIN number for that bank card. We don't know whose it was. Between the 27th and the 1st was using this bank card um, and a PIN that didn't belong to him. Interesting. Yes. So people are speculating, of course, that it could have been Gabby's. But again, you know, we don't know. Um, The autopsy revealed their preliminary finding was homicide. Again, like, we don't know what that means. No, they haven't said Um, an actual... Right. And I, a lot of people are saying, why don't we have any details? Give me more details. Like, I don't know, how did she die? Like, this and that. They want to know everything. But also, like, people need to understand that there's stuff that the FBI knows that they're keeping really close to their chest because... Because number one, if the public knows everything, then the police department will get hundreds of fake or confused or their tip lines will be flooded with stuff. Yeah. TikTok mediums. Right. And like, that's not helpful. Uh, If you actually really have something, you were there or you know Brian or you knew Gabby and you think you know something, absolutely call, you know, the FBI um, or their Northport Police Department. If you just see something on social media, like the FBI doesn't need to hear from you. There's that, like keeping that like close to their chest, right? And then also like when they question Brian, if and when, hopefully when they do, they're going to need to make sure that he knows things only the the killer would know, right? Right. So if everybody like- knows everything then it's really hard to say like well we haven't released this but you know this right so you know being able to we don't have all this information so you know if it is brian or if it is even someone else that that did this we don't know 100 percent, and they need to keep some things close so that they can find the right person and not just people who someone who might be wanting attention false confessions or things like that you know I, i really i was thinking the other day i'm like like like, I know it's it's hard being patient for, like, details and, um, you know, everyone on Twitter and TikTok wants to know. They just need to know, like, the police isn't doing their job. But I think there's a lot of stuff going on that we aren't seeing. Yeah, this is real life. This isn't a movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is real life. This is happening to someone in their family. Exactly. And you kind of have to, like, respect their privacy as, you know, as much as you can. You know, obviously, like, I've been very interested in this, so I've been following along with it to make sure that they can get him. It turns out that that Brian, or let's just say, like, the, the killer, um, the person who did this, right, if they really want to punish him, like, as much as they can, there's a lot of legwork that goes into that, right? It's not just, like, someone's found dead. Yeah. Like they think you did it, you go to jail for life, right? There's a lot of very <laughs> meticulous and strategic, um, you know, stuff involved that they have to build a case. Like, it's not enough just to say, like, oh, like, you probably definitely did this, right? They have to really build so much evidence against him, and it slows down that process when the public is kind of, like, bogging down things with false leads or this and that. And also something I was thinking about was he's never gonna, it's gonna be impossible to find a jury of his peers, right? Like, I think this is gonna go on for so long because in order to have, like, a trial by jury, don't always, you can give up some rights to not do that, right? And that would be smart of him, in my opinion, again, um, you know, the person that did this is probably not gonna go in front of a jury, at least for a long time. Right. Um, because a jury has to be not prejudiced, and everyone is prejudiced right now in America. so 
prejudice right now about this case. You have your own thoughts. We're trying really hard not to put all of our own thoughts in this because we obviously have our own theories because what else are we going to do? <laughs> it feels exciting even though it is like gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Like I have felt honestly like following this, I felt like physically like ill, yeah. like just seeing this and like the poor families and and just this whole like collective um, rage that's going on right now. In in my humble opinion, the trial is gonna gonna be a hot mess. Um, it's gonna take forever. It's gonna take forever. Those but 40, 40 minute cop shows where they solve a murder in that forty minutes, where it seems like it's only been two weeks, is actually like five years. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it's they want to really have the best chance of putting the killer away for life or for a long time. They need so so much evidence. Yeah. Um, and they don't need, you know, people showing up places, which is happening, <laughs> like showing up to the parents' house, showing up to the campsite, showing like that stuff. Like, um, it's like you know. clickbait. Did you watch clickbait? Oh, it was so good. I that's, love that's, that. That's what's happening. Has someone built an app yet for trying to find Brian? Oh, I haven't looked too much into it because I was like, oh, I don't want to give this like too much of my um attention <laughs> of that but um, that's what it sounds like though it's like yeah. that manhunt that happens with clickbait mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it's like a couple other interesting things kind of going on september uh 25th i think that was yesterday right Day yeah that was yesterday um, today is the 26th don't know much about this guy but dog the bounty hunter <laughs> has a show like or had a show i don't know like I don't look, he's like a famous guy who's a, had like a reality show or something. Anyway, y'all probably know who he is. I kind of know who this person is. Look at him. Look like, at his mullet. Love you. He kind of looks like um Joe Exotic to me. Um, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking um Rogan. Joe Rogan. What his name? Oh, okay. I have too many Joe names in my head. There's so a lot now of Joes. I can't think of Joe Rogan the wrestler. Yeah. No, so that is no not... Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's a um, that comedian. Is not the right person. What is his Wait, name? Wait, oh, the Hulk guy? Is that who you're talking about? The Hulk wrestler? Mm-hmm. Or. <laughs> wrestler? <laughs> so this guy, this is what he reminds me of. What is his name? It's like Hulk Hogan. I had, you said Joe Exotic, so I had Joe, and now Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes, he kind of looks like that. Dog anyway, the bounty hunter looks Dog like. the bounty hunter went to the laundry's house and knocked on the door, and they didn't answer, of course, and he left. So that was yesterday. You might ask, like, what, where are you getting this information from? Well, I have been following a journalist. Uh, his name's Brian Enton. Started following him um, after I heard his name mentioned on one of my favorite true crime podcasts as a source. Um, so Brian Enton, been following his Twitter. He is a correspondent with News Nation Now in Miami. Which has a national um, news network that covers uh, Sky like twenty four seven coverage of national and international news. Um, so he's a correspondent, and he has been like camped straight up camped out outside of the laundry's house for like an entire week. Like he just chills there. He like all day. I think he goes leaves to go to bed at night, um, like nine p.m. And then he's back in the morning, and he's been at the Carlton Reserve. You know, not. 
participating in the search, but like kind of just chilling, you know, at the reserve yeah. to see, just kind of watch and see like what's going on. Um, but yeah, he was the one that posted, he posted the video I saw of Doug, the bounty hunter. Um, he's tried to ask the laundries, the parents, uh, some questions, uh, they won't, um, there's crime scene tape still around the house, and he's spoke to the neighbors a bunch of times, um, and the neighbors let him, like, you know, they were like, yeah, you can chill on our property, so you can watch, you know, what's going on, and he updates every time, like, the FBI stops by, so, like, today, I think it was this morning, the FBI stopped by, the parents handed an envelope over to them, um, so it looks like it was, like, coordinated ahead of time. In my face, but... <laughs> Ew. You're like, Bleh. what? So Brian Enton, the correspondent, was um, had talked to a former FBI agent to kind of say, hey, what do you think's going on here? Uh, this former FBI agent had speculated it could be some like a personal item or something that they can use for DNA matching, probably. Huh. And it seems like, you know, they had coordinated that before, communicated with the parents. Um, yeah, we need like some DNA basically um, as a matcher so you know I'm assuming like you know, for the for Gabby's autopsy and for like anything they might find whatnot but that is uh, what it's looking like so it seems like the parents you know although they're not talking they're doing everything that they're being asked for that's good. Yeah. So that's kind of where we stand right now. Like, I'm also following, like, you know, CNN and CBS News for updates. But I, I've really been um, finding Brian Enton's Twitter feed really great because he's literally, like, just standing outside of the laundry's house. Um, so he's really, he's doing the damn thing out there. He's dedicated, like, his whole you know, this last two weeks and uh, for the foreseeable future just to this case, you know, because it's got so much you know, national attention. Thinking about how all of this now sounds like clickbait to me. Right? Camping out outside of the family's house. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, you know, that's just the updates, you know, and, and the story right now. I, I think this case really is highlighting a lot of things um you know it's highlighting um you know just the role that uh social and like digital media plays in yeah. in cases like this and you know issues of like domestic violence and and policies around that and then i definitely feel like this case can kind of like move like push the conversation about um you know, missing and exploited um, BIPOC individuals too, um, because people are talking about that, like that this probably wouldn't have gotten so much coverage, you know, if it weren't for, um, you know, this pretty white being a, blonde girl, a, a, a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous yeah. um, young white woman. And I think it like can give the public a chance to talk about like the importance of highlighting all of these cases, really examining, you know, the role of domestic violence in murders and just looking at like are our policies you know for police um policing and stuff are they going to help prevent things like this or are there ways of preventing things like this um you know more on this show too we really want to and we want um you the audience too um to send us in like stories or leads or just information about people maybe that you know that might be missing or you know have a case that is unsolved and you want to bring attention to it we want to highlight that on this show lots and lots more of opinions um <laughs> 
and thoughts, especially around the disparities in coverage for BIPOC individuals who are missing. And I think that's something we can get into more in a future show. We'll leave our opinions from the cases that are closed. But I'm always going to give my uh, sociological uh, critiques. However, uh, you know, we're not going to say like, this is what happened in this case, because we don't know. And we just really hope that the Tito family can can get some closure soon. To end this, uh, on a bright note, though, um, you can find online some live footage from Gabby's funeral, which was held this afternoon. There was like so many people just showed up from everywhere. People traveled like awesome. to bring, you know, bring flowers or just like, you know, be a presence. And the parents, you know, had it open to the public for people who really just wanted to, you know, express, you know, their condolences to come and do that. He, um, you know, there's some video of his, um, Gabby's father, her parents talking at the funeral. It was just so heartbreaking. But the parents just really hope that in her name, people can just make sure to, you know, speak up for those who are missing or, you know, bring justice, you know, to Gabby and, and other women, um, other individuals who tragically have, have met an end like this. It was heartwarming to see, like, how many yeah. people showed up and just pressing, like, like I said, their condolences and stuff. It was really great. So it's, you know, not all in vain, and it's not all about just, like, this is an interesting true crime story. It's humanity, real, raw humanity, and we kind of see it unfolding. It's important to, I don't know, just keep, keep the family, manifest good vibes to the Petito family. Yeah. You know, whatever you do, like, light incense, pray, manifest do cast spells of all of goodness to the Petito family. There's, um, you can find it online, the Future Gabby Petito Fund. Um, the parents have, we'll, we'll put links to this like in the show notes, but you can donate to the Future Gabby Petito Fund. Of course, if you have any legitimate tips, like you know some information, contact your, contact the FBI, contact authority people that, you know, you need to. So that's, that's what's going on right now. We'll keep, we'll keep y'all updated. I'll put a link to Brian Anton's Twitter too because I think it's the the most trustworthy source that I have found so far yeah that was our that was our first uh first go at this whoa lot to unpack uh you can find us on social media at rustbelt baggage on all of them email us rustbeltbaggage at gmail.com if we do everything right you <laughs> can listen to us anywhere that you listen to your podcast um, if you don't, if we don't do it right, you can find us on YouTube. We will get this down, we promise. And next time, we're each going to have, like, our own mic, too, so we won't be sharing one next time. Yeah. So, stay um, tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks for joining us. This has been Rust Belt Baggage. <laughs>